Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 328. My name is Eric Nielsen, and with me today, my co-host, Ryan Johnson. Ryan, how's it going? Going good, Eric. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for having me. You have me. <laughs> we're, we're doing this together, buddy, buddy. It's a, it's a good week. It's been super busy. I don't know about yourself, but we have been just ramping up on all things uh, VMworld announcements and so forth. How's, how's, it, how's it in your neighborhood? Uh, it's good. I, I, I've been a lab rat for the last uh, two and a half weeks, I think. So just knee deep in my rig, working on my labs. Oh, lucky you! I don't get enough time <laughs> to do that. But I, I did buy uh, a new AMD five gigahertz uh, eight core processor over the weekend, and uh, got a motherboard and memory and you know SSD and all the red stuff. So uh, with the five gigahertz uh, eight core, um, you have to w- water cool it. So. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be fun to fun to fun to get that thing running and see how it works. You're, but uh, you're brave. You're very what have you been running in your lab? What have you been running in your lab? I've actually got the full SD, uh, SDDC, uh, SDDC stack from vSphere to vSAN, NSX, uh, all our management products, um, et cetera, running in my in my lab. So it's a full software defined data center in my lab. So yeah, stay yeah, tuned. Uh, yeah. It's uh, stay tuned for some announcements we'll have, you know, at VMworld. But uh, that's kind of the I'm working on my rig for some of the some of those announcements. So, no, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, what do you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many? How <laughs> many? Uh, how many machines you got to run your your data center? Is it multiple? Uh, it's, actually, it's actually twelve. It's actually twelve. 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 Uh, physical machines. It's actually a, a full rig set um, up in one of our data centers for technical marketing, and uh, I've got the, our full stack deployed in a. Uh, yeah, I can't say more than that. <laughs> Yeah, without getting right. well, without getting, yeah. It, without getting in trouble. So, uh, yeah, yeah, neat, neat, neat. Uh, uh, Graham Graham commented how funny how some people get NSX for their home lab, right? So, you know, I don't know if you've spent the time on NSX yet, but uh, oh yeah, uh, I actually, <laughs> I was knee deep in it the last last couple of days. Uh, right. Myself and myself and Cogleed and a, and a couple others in our in, in my team were working on NSX. Some for some of the work we're doing. That's pretty interesting because I know that the CloudCut team is getting ready to release NSX tasks. There's some of the experts out there that have been building a bunch of NSX certification tasks for VCP search for NSX. And I'm puzzled at how many people actually are out there now in their home lab environments, you know, bang on NSX. So um. Yeah, they can, bang, they can bang on it. Some people can bang on it in their home labs. We've also got some really good labs uh, in the HOL, like 14, I think it's like 1403 and 14, 1465, I think. Um, but I know definitely 1403 is a great lab if you're looking at the uh, VCP and Z certification. Get in there and kick the tires up and down. Um, you can also test out some of our third-party integrations with 
the likes of Semantic and um, uh, Palo Alto Networks and and some labs nice. to those guys. So it's good it's good training ground for uh, if you're looking at the NSXD and uh, sorry NSX uh, the NSX certification which is the VCP NV and I think after this uh, round of, of working in my lab I should just just sit the exam. We'll see. <laughs> Nice, yeah. One of the cool things we've been doing, and I know we'll get to the show here any minute now. We have uh, we have Ben Corey on the on the show. He's going to talk about Project Bonneville, which is you know how to run containers on uh, on vSphere. Uh, some of that stuff was pre-announced. I don't know if it's available yet, but Ben is on the call. But before we get into the show, we'll finish up the the fun lab conversation. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how many people get NSX. You can get NSX now, but you have to take a, like a training course to get it, right? So, you know. But for all those people out there that want NSX, I think there's like a $1,500 class you have to sign up for to get trained on NSX before they give you access to the bits. But yeah, this stuff's getting better now. Right. Yeah, there's actually a really good uh, info, configure, and manage course for NSX review here, which you can take through our education services. Right, really, exactly. Really, and, really good course. Yeah, and, and getting through that does get you the bits, right? They give you the download access to the bits. Which we've struggled with in the past. So, um, other than going off and uh, pirate baying the guys, I don't know how to get the bits. Other than you know, to take that class and get through the certification. And you know, I think they quote certain lightweight certify you at the end of the class, saying, "Yes, you're good." And then you get the uh, an account that gets you access to the bits. So, yeah, N- neat stuff. Neat stuff. Um, uh, okay, so uh, moving on to the show, Corey Romero, you're here, Mr. V Expert. How you doing? Excellent, Eric. How are you? Uh, good, good. You know, uh, we're we're around the building. You know, and I think there was a sighting of of uh, speaking of, of the experts. Mr. Torer was in the building yesterday. Just so, oh, was he? The, yeah, he was. He was uh, <laughs> hanging out with some of the NSX um, um, NSX guys. I saw I saw him there. Don't know what he was doing, but. Uh, he was around, so yay, yay for them. How's how's the world of the experts? Um, are you making progress on things leading up to V to VMworld? I am. Uh, yesterday we put out a blog post with all of the V expert sessions at uh, VMworld. So we have 67 sessions that are uh, V experts are holding at VMworld. So we put out a blog post on that, and then starting the morning of July 21st, we'll be promoting all of those sessions over Twitter. Um, and July 21st is the same day that uh, Schedule Builder opens up. So as soon as you can start nice. building your schedule, we will start promoting those sessions and getting those out. So, yeah, pretty cool. The first nice, year we've done nice. this. So, we've, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Right. Almost 70 sessions for experts. Pretty cool. Yeah, and then the, uh, the, outbound, the, uh, the outbound marketing. is The outbound marketing right. to promote our experts is, is, is what we're all about, right? So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. We also have uh, the VExpert party. So you said that the contract was signed? The contract was signed, yes, sir. The 350-person, you know, big room, kind of ballroom with formal tables, you know, another 20 grand for food. And then I think this year we're going to do the – do a little bit of an hour-long kind of what's going on with the experts, give some awards out, make it a little bit more formal like we have in years past as opposed to just a generic party. I have filed the paperwork to get Mr. Pat Gelsinger to show up and uh, thank everybody for being a V-Expert. So, and, and now that we've rolled VCDXs into the V-Expert program so that if you're a VCDX, you end up being a V-Expert as well, we don't have to have the quote the VCDX slash V-Expert party can just be the V-Expert party with everybody there. So that's awesome. Cool stuff. It's always, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's always good to see Pat at the VXPert party. 
And uh, I've got a couple more details on that. So the party will be Tuesday, September 1st at 6 p.m. It'll go till 9 p.m. And it's at the Julia Morgan Ballroom. And it's just a couple blocks down from the show. So invites for that will go out in the next 30 days or so. Um, Anyone listening who's a V-expert, you will need to RSVP to that invite to be able to get on the list to get get into the party. Nice. Right. Right. And it is a ballroom, but it's also, you know, we're, we're, there's there's standing room, there's socializing, we're going to have food and, and drinks. And so it's kind of like a ballroom party, but we are going to try to then, you know, give some awards out and get everybody and, you know, get, you know, get, talk a little bit about more about the program and what everybody's been doing and kind of highlight that people have been doing some really cool things this year. So. Like yeah, that. absolutely. I think that's a great, I think, right. I think that's a good change. I think it's a great positive, right. positive direction. Absolutely. And and if you're not a V expert, is it still time to be a V expert? And you know, get yeah. So, yeah. So applications for V experts are still open. They're open until until mid July. Um, the results of those applications will come out in the end of August, right before VMworld. Um, if you want to know more about the V expert program or you want to apply for a V expert, you can go to communities.vmworld.com and click on the V expert tab. Great. Great, great, great. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, yeah, hopefully we'll get 300-plus people show up, uh, get to get everybody exposure to each other, and then, you know, figure out how everybody can leverage each other and then say thanks for, for a great year. Uh, we got quotes all year long on the releases. Like, I saw quotes in different rag, trade rags saying, you know, VMware's army of evangelists, you know, are, are unstoppable. So, you know, I mean that right. that is the, the V experts. And one thing I would say, if you're thinking about joining V experts, the idea of the V expert is not that you're some amazing expert, but in fact you're just an advocate, you're an evangelist, you're part of the ecosystem leaders. We have three and a half million people out there, and you know we have 1,500 V experts that are becoming the you know the main course of how to drive this three million person uh, ecosystem. And so, um, you know, don't think you're not one. I mean, you have to obviously be doing things and you can look at the application and see what it means. Um, but we are always looking for more of the experts. And to some degree, I'd like to have a V expert training program that would allow you to learn how to become an efficient evangelist. Right. So, yeah, always looking to yeah, grow that's great, that that's program. Great idea. Right, right, exactly. All right, anything else? Uh, schedule builder open, not open yet, but the content Cadillac's open, right? So people can see what's content out there. Cadillac's open for U.S. Right. and Europe. Uh, right. VMworld dates, uh, you, you know, U.S. schedule builder, like I said, July 21st, and then Europe early bird registration ends July 28th. So. Cool. And uh, I know I looked at the complete list, and I know I've said, like, there's only 350, 400. It turns out there's, like, 600 sessions, uh, 620 or some larger number. So I think that number has increased. So good good for the VMware, VMware events team. I looked through them because we're looking at how many DevOps sessions there are, things about how to deploy and manage, um, you know, your, your bits, whether they be containerized or non-containerized, but basically deployment of applications. There are over a hundred uh, DevOps-centric sessions this year for VMworld, so that was a kind of an interesting slice of the of the planet, which I wouldn't have guessed. A lot of V realizes stuff actually falls into that, but cool, 600 plus out there. Congratulations, to everybody that got there, and uh, go take a look at the sessions. Thanks for egging up the V experts uh, and their sessions. That that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, and uh, we got three more minutes. What else do we want to talk about? The expert uh, schedule builder. I mean, sorry, the VMworld opens up 
scaled schedule builder opens up on when is it? July something. July July twenty first. Twenty first. That's the big the big yep. time. Um, I know they're going to have labs. They're going to have workshops in schedule builder. The workshops usually get uh, um, filled up really quickly. So HOL workshops are going to be in schedule builder. Go get them early. So that date is going to be important because those guys and uh, workshops are instructor led HOL labs, right? So if you want to do a lab with a bunch of other people who are doing the same lab and you want an instructor in it, that's how you join that, right? And so those guys usually fill up in the first day, right? So you can't dilly dally when uh, schedule builder opens up, right? So. Yep. And just worth uh, worthwhile mentioning that July 21st is also the date for the first drafts for any speakers. Anybody that's presenting at VMworld, your first date for your your draft is July 21st. Get that into right. Speaker Resource Center. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good to know. Good to know. Uh, we also are going to have some uh, DevOps workshops. We're confirming people are going to be running DevOps workshops in a DevOps area. So that is now confirmed. And we have you know, Puppet, uh, Chef, and uh, a, couple, a couple of the other things like Cloud Foundry, um, Pivotal, um, some other, then other stuff will be out there. So some other workshops uh, in, which will be instructor-led, uh, and those will also be in Schedule Builder. So some kind of new stuff, some old stuff, and bringing back those instructor-led things should be pretty cool. Uh, looking, looking forward to, to VMworld this year. Uh, okay, we're at the uh, quarter past the hour. They're done with the news and stuff. Anything, anything anybody wants to add from a news perspective? Anybody online on the call want to throw something out there? This is your time. Going once. Nobody? Nothing? Nothing? <laughs> Nothing. All right. Uh, good to know. Um, if you were listening to the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, we did sign with Weigh-In. Scott McNeely was on the show. We did sign up with them. They're going to have uh, stuff at VMworld with big screens, uh, aggregate, aggregating up VX posts. So we're giving them all the VExperts and uh, we will be looking at all the social outbound for VExperts and putting that stuff on screens throughout the event. So some cool stuff going to happen there. And with that, I will transition to our guest, uh, Ben Corey, uh, going to talk about Project Bonneville. Ben, are you on the call? Um, yeah, hi. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Um, why don't you uh, first introduce yourself? Who are you? Do you work at VMware? How long have you been at VMware? And what do you work on? Okay, yeah. So uh, I've been at VMware for about five years now. Um, I joined VMware actually as part of the SpringSource acquisition about five years ago. Um, prior to SpringSource, I worked at IBM for 10 years on the internals of their Java virtual machine technology. So my career in software is, gosh, what is that now, 16-odd years, 16, 17 years. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, and I, you know, since I've been at VMware, um, I've basically been involved in three major projects. I was brought in um, originally to build a product called Elastic Memory for Java, which is part of our vFabric offering. Um, the whole idea of that was it was a ballooning technology for the JVM, uh, so that when um, you know Tomcat or whatever Java technology was sitting on the hypervisor, the hypervisor could actually put memory pressure on the Java virtual machine to clean up and give back memory. Um, so that was basically the first two or three years at VMware. Um, I then uh, built the auto-scaling component of uh, the, our big data, our Hadoop big data offering, the big data extensions. 
Um, the component was called the Virtual Hadoop Manager, and it basically uh, automatically grow, grows and shrinks uh, the size of Hadoop clusters based on, um, you know, based on how many jobs are queued and you know, how much resources available. So the idea is that hot clusters grow and cold clusters shrink. So if you have multiple Hadoop clusters all filling a single space, you know, it, 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 it kind of makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. So, but most recently, um, I guess we're going back about what about a, about eighteen months now. Um, towards the end of my time working on the the Hadoop stuff, um, you know, one of the things that was always a little bit challenging with that was the cost of uh, spinning up a new VM to add a node to the cluster. Right, the cost is. Uh, non-trivial. It would always take, you know, at least a minute to kind of get everything spun up and to get Chef going, and you know, all these, you know, get everything configured, and you know, and Hadoop takes a while to wake up and realize there's a new node and everything. And so, you know, it was always this kind of slightly cumbersome process to to, to get all those things in place. And Docker appeared on the horizon, and it, it really interested me because it, it seemed to be solving a very similar kind of problem, but in quite a slick way. So, you know, that was the context in which I first got interested in Docker. And then, you know, I started thinking about, well, how, what does this mean for our platform? What does this mean for, for vSphere and for, you know, for, for the hypervisor as, as a whole? You know, if we were to take this model and the cool things that they've done and try to do that in a way that, that, that sort of makes sense for, uh, for our own infrastructure, how would it look? You know, so really starting to just kind of um, pull apart the core ideas of what Docker is and how it works, and then thinking about, you know, as I say, what that means for VMware. You know, is, 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 does, does this require any kind of response from us? Um, and I decided that it did, and I put together a, a paper with some friends uh, and colleagues here at VMware, and uh, we presented it to um, to the uh, the CTO uh, and eventually to Pat, and um, and it got signed off, and that's Project Bonneville. Very cool. Nice, nice, nice. So Ryan, why don't you uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, uh, take take Ben through his paces uh, paces around Bonneville, and I'll just listen. Yeah, so um, let's see where we start off with this. So, um, you know, Docker, you know, containers are all the rage these days. You know, I, I, Ben, I've been doing a lot with co with containers um, in recent history and, and Docker, Docker Engine, Docker Swarm, mm. uh, Com Composer, Fig, and, and, and others, and uh, learning as much as I can about it. Um, if you could, you know, for, for those that are listeners that are new to containers, could you just maybe kind of give an idea um, you know, a little snippet about what containers are and the technology as a background for some of the listeners that are not familiar with it, with the technology. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think uh, it's worth separating containers in the abstract sense from, from specifically, you know, Docker containers or specific implementations of, of containers. Um, I mean, the reason I think Docker has been so successful is they've made containers much more easy to consume, right? You know, when I first heard about Docker, the way I described it was, well, it's basically syntactic sugar around something that already exists. Yeah. Now, I mean, really, that belittles it because it's 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 more than that. But at the end of the day, you know, all of these things that we can do with Docker, we were able to do five years ago uh, with you know various different operating systems or various different, you know, but but. But people hadn't put two and two together, you know, and I think yeah. that the thing that Docker was been really successful at is it's been sort of staying, you know, showing people, hey, guess what? Your operating system has had these capabilities for a little while. 
look at how useful these can be if you combine them with these other capabilities and you know some kind of a cloud presence and some useful tooling that goes around them. And I think that's just been really inspiring for people. You know, they've really realized um, it, it, it's funny in some respects because the way that we the way that we consume hardware has changed significantly, you know, through virtualization. You know, we're no longer crawling under desks uh, with little memory dims trying to upgrade our, our systems, right? That just doesn't happen anymore. And then you look at how we interact with operating systems, um, and, you know, we're no longer putting in CDs in order to install software. You know, that just doesn't happen anymore either. Um, you know, we now we have these wonderful package managers in operating systems like Linux. You just go in there and just, you know, get whatever it is you want, and it all just comes down, and all the dependencies are managed for you, right? So the way we interact with systems is fundamentally changing. And I think for me, Docker is just another one of those changes where, you know, instead of, of being presented with an operating system and having to configure and um, you know, and, and patch and, and install and, and all, all those, you know, all of those things that you have to do in order to get anything up and running. Docker came along and said, okay, well, you can still do that stuff, but how about we give you the opportunity to script it, and how about when you've done it, it can just magically disappear, right? And I think yeah. that's the big thing about it, because, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, when they, when they have a, a VM, for example, they want to run applications, uh, and they, you know, they, they, they install a bunch of stuff, they change a bunch of configuration, you know, they, they, they add users or whatever it is that they do. But once you're done with that application, you've completely tainted and changed the whole, the whole nature of the operating system that you're dealing with now. And anything that you do subsequent to that is going to have whatever crud you've pulled down or whatever changes you've made that may come back and bite you. Um, and the, yes. the really beautiful thing about containers is just the ephemeral nature of what they are, right? You package your application uh, up with all of its dependencies and all the configuration and all of the things it needs, and then you run it. But once you're done running it, it just goes away again, you know, for the completely clean system. So, you know, to me, you know, the, the, there's the aspect around containers of how we consume software and how much easier it's made for us uh, how much easier it's made it to consume, uh, and 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 um, you know, as I say, just and and also just kind of have software be something that you play with and then immediately throw away again. Um, but at the same time, it's also really um, uh, helped people to think about how they decompose applications as well. You know, because now that we have this ability to kind of have this whole, um, you know, th this whole idea of uh, an application being this. Um, this kind of small thing which has an inter clear interface and has some dependencies and is neatly packaged in a container and maybe it exports, uh, you know, some network dependencies or, you know, whatever it is. But this, 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 which, I mean, again, this is something we've done for years and years, right? The, the, the whole sort of Java Bean specification, for those of you who remember that back in the day, was all about, okay, well, you know, how do we make Java components reusable, right? Well, you just bundle them up into this thing called a bean, and we give them, you know, we give them sort of interfaces, and then we can have graphical tools that compose them. Well, you know, this is, this is really very much the same kind of thing. We're saying, okay, we can, we can do this with, 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 with applications or processes or services. We can bundle them up. We can give them, um, you know, we can give them, um, you know, entry points and exit points and, and connect them with other services or other things. Um, and that's now starting to feed into people 
you know, raving about microservices. Because all of a sudden people are like, oh, okay, we can just create these reusable components using containers, and then we can compose applications out of those components. So, you know, it's no coincidence that, uh, that the discussion, uh, you know, and the explosion of interest in microservices architectures has coincided with the interest in containers, because really, you know, one, to some extent, I think, has facilitated the other. So to come back around to answering your, your, actually answering your question, um, in terms of, you know, when we think about Docker containers, what is a Docker container? Well, very simply, um, it is um, some file system state, right, which is a Docker image. And Docker image is just the thing you want to run and the other things that it needs to run. Um, and it's some uh, metadata that describes how to actually start the application inside of the container. But really, you know, at the end of the day, you've got that file system state, the metadata that describes how to start the application, and then you need an execution environment. And for uh, in Linux, the execution environment is either going to be, you know, the LXC implementation, or it's going to be Docker's lib container implementation. But all yep. that it is really is um, a um, a space in which your application can run. It's a private namespace, optional resource constraints, but it's just a space for the application to run. So you have these, uh, this kind of this, this workflow where you first pull down that file system state, and along with it comes the, the metadata that I described that, that knows how to start the application, knows which network ports to open, all that kind of stuff. You pull yep. that your down. Docker, your, Docker file, your Docker file, basically. Right, right, exactly. You pull that down. And then you execute it, right? So you've got the file system state, and then the run, and then the runtime state, and that that in a nutshell is 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 what a container is. And you mentioned the Docker file, right? Really, at the end of the day, that's just a scripting mechanism for for containers, for building containers. And the beauty of that is that actually a Docker file can can describe an environment. You know, instead of having to pass someone a VMDK of your environment and say, you know, here is this huge great binary watch of stuff that you need in order to be able to, to replicate my environment. Well, if my environment can actually be um, described in a Docker file, then my environment is just something that I can paste into an email. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that's all push up to Git or whatever it is. It's, yeah, simply a file you can put on, on Git and maybe even run an automated, an automated build against your GitHub or, or however, however you're doing it. I mean, so if you look at this, you know, when I look at containers, it's it's kind of like, um, as you say, it's the infrastructure, the infrastructure griefs that expedite, you know, the deployment, the migration, testing, and provisioning of microservice, you know, microservice architectures. You know, you can package things once, right? Kind of with your Docker, Docker file, build your image, and then you can run it, run it anywhere. Yeah. Um, and with the do with Docker, you know, some folks look, you know, look at, uh, you know, what are the resource management capabilities typically associated with VMs and the low overhead. Um, of you know the container the containers, and um, many have looked at you know the relationship between containers and virtual machines. You know are they are they are they competitive? Are they complementary? And a lot of the work that you know you've been doing, you know we've been looking at, at the latter. You know how how they're complementary, um, and how we can actually take the developer and make them a, a really a first class citizen the data center. And, and so you've been working for about I think the last what last eighteen months or so on this on this really cool project that you announced at Docker, DockerCon. And so you were at DockerCon I think it was last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you and uh, you and Fabio Fabio from the B I think he's from the B Fod Air team had some really cool announcements, but can you tell us about the announcement that you made um, at DockerCon? Yeah. 
So, yeah, you're right. We've been working on, um, I mean, I think in terms of implementation on Bonneville, we've been working on it for about nine months. Um, okay. Because okay. it took a while to kind of socialize the idea and to, you know, to get everything together. And then, of course, um, there was VMworld last year. Of course, <laughs> in the lead up to VMworld, nothing really gets done <laughs> <And then laughs> no. other than just, you know, running around trying to figure out how to manage VMworld. Um, and I actually took um, uh, three months off last year on paternity leave, which was uh, a really nice break too. So, you know, all of these things conspired to mean that it didn't actually start until about nine months ago. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so uh, um, I was very excited that we were able to announce um, Bonneville and App Catalyst at DockerCon this year, um, not least because I can actually now talk about Bonneville, whereas previously, you know, it was something that, you know, VMware was keeping under wraps a little bit. Um, you know, that's certainly m uh, exciting for me because I can actually, you know, do things like this, blog about it, you know, talk about it, and actually socialize right. the idea outside of the company, which is quite helpful. Um, but yeah, so specifically in a nutshell, um, App Catalyst uh, was announced um, really as, as, as part of this cloud native apps kind of gradual rollout of various pieces, right? So on the 420 launch, we announced uh, Project Photon, Project Lightwave. Um, now, in this, in DockerCon, we announced um, App Catalyst and Bonneville. So App mm -hmm. Catalyst, in its most simple sense, is um, it, think of it like Fusion or Workstation, really without the UI, um, with uh, a REST interface and you know a, a sort of command line interface tacked onto it, and with integrations with uh, Vagrant and Docker Machine. So in other words, it's virtualization for the client. Such that you know, it, it, you know, if you want to run, um, if you want to run Photon on your Mac or on your or on your Windows box, and you want to use VMware virtualization underpinning that, um, you know, you, you're presented with um, a few options. You know, as I said, you've got Vagrant and, and various other bits and pieces. But ultimately, you've always got to have some kind of hypervisor on there uh, in order to be able to run Linux uh, and, and your Linux containers. Um, and to date, you've just had to pay for Fusion in order to be able to do that. And App Catalyst is um, basically a way of us just just giving developers uh, the you know the really robust and and you know and, and really performant virtualization layer for their workstations and their laptops that they that they we know they want to use. Um, so so it, it's really exciting that we're actually able to do that and, and really able to sort of give developers um, something that, that we know they're going to want to use. Um, Bonneville, on the other hand, um, is a little bit harder to explain in a nutshell. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, what it is, is it's um, a way of provisioning Docker containers directly to the hypervisor without the need to have a Linux VM as a prerequisite. That is, that is the, the, the simplest way that I can describe it. So in the Bonneville model of container provisioning, um, the hypervisor becomes the container host. Right? Now, if we think about how containers work, um, you know, as I mentioned, a container is um, it's, it typically it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's an executable that's running with some dependencies, and it's running in, um, uh, you know, in, in, in kind of a sandpit, if you like, with resource constraints and a private namespace. But you've got to have something that gives it that infrastructure, right? The networking infrastructure, the file system infrastructure, the kernel that it needs, all of those pieces, the infrastructure pieces that, that it needs in order to be able to run are provided by Linux in Docker, right? You know, the, the Linux container host is the thing that's required to run containers. 
Right. Now, um, and, and, and Photon that we announced back in April is VMware's Linux container host for, you know, that for, for, for VMware workloads, you know, and that, that's exactly what that is and that's what we announced. Um, the thing is, there's no reason necessarily that you need Linux to provide those infrastructure pieces for containers, containers in the abstract. Um, and, and, you know, Microsoft is, is, is demonstrating this right now. You know, Microsoft are very publicly uh, integrating, um, you know, sort of Docker containers into Windows. And, of course, that's going to be a very different model from their perspective. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it's going to have the same um, fundamental notions. You'll have, you know, a Windows um, installation that will be a container host. and You'll have some kind of container infrastructure within that that, that, that runs applications. And so... When we actually look at what the hypervisor is and, and you know, just fundamentally what it is and what it does, I mean, it's, it's actually a very similar concept, right? A hypervisor is a platform that has a kernel and has infrastructure pieces um, that are there to support the running of applications. And an application in our world is anything from an Oracle database to, you know, to a, a Windows desktop to whatever it is, right? But fundamentally, the idea is the same. A hypervisor is a thing that runs processes in Zampits and provides resource isolation and multi-tenancy and all those good things. So there's no reason that we can't take this abstract notion of containers and translate that to, to directly to our platform, where our hypervisor becomes the container host, and the containers are ultimately these you know, these, these, these things that run on the hypervisor, which at the end of the day are VMs, right? Because in the abstract, the, a VM and a container are very, very similar concepts. So, okay. in a nutshell, Bonneville is uh, Docker containers for, uh, for vSphere, right? Without, so, that, that, that's, that's the best way I can describe it. All right, so, so essentially Bonneville's, um, Bonneville's basically a Docker daemon with a custom VMware graph for execution, Network drivers and delivers a, a fully compatible API to to uh, Docker client. So it's yeah. really a pure it's really a pure approach. Your 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 container is the VM. Your VM's a container. You know nothing more, nothing less. And the container host is the ESX hypervisor. Now yeah. So so I mean, you're getting into some implementation detail there that's definitely worth um, spending a little bit of time on. Mm -hmm. um, you know because because. Um, in this approach, it, yes, if we're going about it in this very pure way that you describe, um, the wrong way to go about it, in my opinion, would be to have um, you know, each VM in itself be a container host, right? So if you had, um, right. inside of each VM, you have a Docker daemon, you have all of the, uh, you know, the Linux infrastructure, the C groups, and all those pieces required to run a container, yep. that generally that i mean that would be very wasteful and kind of pointless right it's it, it, it's it's that that we did consider that approach but it, it it presents a number of problems right number one you can't Resource. then use that container the container infrastructure from 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 vSphere inside of that guest you know let, let's say we want to use nsx right for containers well okay now we've got to think about how nsx fits into that you know, that in-guest virtualization there that Docker provides. Well, that's a lot harder than thinking about how NSX interacts with the VM because we already know how to do that, right? Exactly. You know, same for storage, you know. How do we map vSAN to some kind of in-guest virtualization technology? Well, actually, because, 
Potentially. Because we all, because we all know the, net, the with, with Docker containers, some of the limitations have been around data persistence and, and networking networking constructs. So you're just making this easier. Well, it's not only easier, but again, from a management and monitoring perspective, if we can, if, if every container is a VM, then all of your uh, existing management and monitoring uh, um, um, tools just work. Or you know, they just they they're all they, you know they already know what a VM looks like and how to deal with exactly. it. Exactly. So, so we decided to take this this approach where where the Docker daemon sees these container VMs as containers, doesn't see them as VMs at all, just sees them as containers, but then the, the vSphere infrastructure doesn't see a container, it just sees a VM. So there's a very, very clear distinction between the two, but they each get that perspective. So when we think about um, how we map one model to the other, let, let's think about what's inside of um, you know, a Linux container host. Right? One of the most fundamental things that people point to uh, in a Linux container host is, oh, well, the reason that containers are so efficient is because they have a shared kernel, right? The Linux right. container host provides this Linux kernel, and then each container just shares the libraries that are loaded by that kernel and just effectively piggybacks on top of that kernel. Well, of course, if we do a container per VM, then each VM is going to need its own Linux kernel, and effectively right. need its own Linux. And so, you know, when we first uh, approached this problem, a lot of people were kind of looking at it and saying, well, hang on a second, this is, this is just going to be uh, really fat <laughs> because, because, <laughs> because you're, not, you know, you're not going to get these benefits of, of shared libraries and a shared kernel and all, all, these, all these various benefits you get with, with, with Linux containers. But actually, um, we have been able to get those capabilities through uh, the instant clone technology that we have in vSphere 6, which is effectively given us a shared kernel without actually having to have a shared kernel. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> that makes sense. So the, way, the way that it works is we actually load um, a very small Photon Linux kernel into memory, and then every, every container VM that we start or every container VM that we create basically doesn't boot. It just clones off of that, uh, that, that Photon Linux kernel that's in memory. So it's pretty much, as soon as we, as soon as we create one of these container VMs, it's immediately ready to be given a container file system and become a container, right? There's okay. no, no actual boot that needs to happen. And so we get startup time benefits from that because it doesn't need to boot, but we also get memory sharing benefits that effectively give you, um, you know, very similar um, efficiencies than a Linux shared kernel would because every single VM starts with the, the uh, you know, the po it points back to the memory of the parent that it was forked from, uh, and then any time you make any changes, it's effectively a copy on write in memory. So, right. so we get a lot of benefits from the instant clone uh, already with the way that we're using it. But the nice thing about instant clone is that it gives us the opportunity down the road to, to, to bring even more efficiencies and even more speed to our, to our, to our bundle technology. So with with this approach, you're, you're you're getting you know security and isolation. You're getting resource management. Um, you're getting uh, frankly a freedom from managing you know tons of Linux Linux distros out there as container hosts. And you're also getting the portability that VMs offer you. Yeah. And 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 still be able to use you know the technologies that you know and love today, which is your your vSphere hypervisor, vRealize operations, and you know NSX and, and vSAN. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, if you say to a, if you say to a VMware customer, um, 
okay, yeah, you're excited about containers. Um, you know, um, what if we, you know, what if we could give you containers that uh, that have VM levels of, uh, you know, of, of isolation security um, that that don't give that don't cost you significantly more overhead in terms of, you know, startup time and, and memory consumption. Um, that don't require you to have anything pre-configured in terms of, you know, Linux container hosts and how many do I use, how big should they be, you know, all, all those kind of considerations that you have to have. Um, yeah. You know, what if this integrates with, with vSphere in such a way that, you know, that you could have a whole vSphere cluster be a container host, right, which is really where we want to go with this. Um, I mean, if you're able to get all of those benefits um, you know, eliminating the middleman with, um, you know, with the same degrees of efficiency uh, that you get with Docker containers. I mean, it's it's such an obvious win. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. In, in, in addition to that, if we can then say to them, hey, guess what? We can do uh, Windows containers, um, and you know what? You don't even need to uh, use um, Microsoft's brand new special version of Windows in order to use Windows containers, we could do you Windows XP containers or Windows NT containers, or, you know, because of the way that we're virtualizing this and because of the way that we've built it, any x86 compatible operating system, we could actually bring the full Docker ecosystem and Docker support to. So, so that leads me to a little bit of fun here. Um, you recently had a hackathon, and I've seen some of the video, videos that you did um, after the hackathon. Can you tell us about the hackathon you did with Project Bonneville, what the experience was like, and what you actually did during yeah. the hackathon? So, well, so here's a, here's a confession. Bonneville is, is, a, is a tiny team right now. Um, yep. It is, is myself and George Hicken, just the two of us. Um, and uh, we, both, we worked together on EM4J. We worked together on... Um, the, the Hadoop stuff. George and I are a really tight team, and you know we we really enjoy working together. Um, but we are, as it stands, obviously very uh, resource constrained. We have to focus our priorities, and you know we we've been saying for months, uh, wouldn't it be cool to stand up a Windows container before Microsoft do, right? Because we knew <laughs> that we could. But of course, we just didn't have the. It wasn't a priority, right? And we didn't. It didn't even have any interns at that time to look at that. So, um, and then. Shortly before DockerCon, some announcements came out. Uh, Intel announced their clear container technology, which is, is not dissimilar to, to the idea of Bonneville. And then a, a technology came out of China that was announced called Hyper about a week later. Again, which sort of, you know, the marketing materials for both of these could, could really have applied to Bonneville because uh, a lot of the arguments they're making are similar arguments, um, you know, arguing for container VMs. Um, now, they're approaching it, in, it you know, um, technically in different ways than we are, but, you know, I really wanted to make sure that when we got to DockerCon, we had something that was very distinctive from these things, you know, that were not just another container VM, uh, you know, solution, but that actually the fact that we have approached it in this very pure hardware virtualized manner means that we, you know, have this potential for multiple operating systems. I really wanted to, it sort of, it sort of made this aspect of what we've done much more important in my mind. Um, so uh, it just so happened that it was a hackathon uh, going on at the time, um, and you know these are obviously pretty popular things for for, for particularly younger engineers to go and do. I, I you know I, <laughs> at my age, uh, uh, not that many people I think do hackathons because <laughs> not that many people want to stay up for 48 hours coding nonstop because it, you know it's 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 fun and it's exhilarating, but it's also you know utterly exhausting. 
Um, but I, I, I just saw this as a great opportunity for us to bootstrap uh, something special for DockerCon. So I put out there, you know, like, you know, who wants to work, you know, I put, I put out there, let's do a real legacy operating system. Let's do something that, that no one would think to do um, that, you know, that, that would be, on the one hand, conceptually simple, but on the other hand, could present us a lot of challenges. And I chose MS-DOS because I grew up with it and I love it and it was, you know, it's, it's such a part of, 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 of computing history and, um, and... Right. Um, and it was funny because I put the you know I put the word out and within a day I had a team of five people who you know who were really keen to do this with me so that was exciting I was really really pleased um, that you know to get that 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 feedback that positive response and then um, you know we got well, event and I, I actually bought a bunch of books on eBay I bought like a bunch of like DOS programming books on eBay and you know we didn't. Really, quite know exactly how we were going to approach this, um, but we, you know, we we put up like the right start. We said, okay, our minimal viable product. What is that going to be? Okay, well, a DOS prompt would be a good start. Right? <laughs> you know, I just want to run Docker and see the DOS prompt. Uh, that would be a good, a good place to start. And actually, you know, we thought, okay, well, maybe that's going to be, I don't know, eight hours, 12 hours before we actually get a DOS prompt. It was something like 36 hours before we actually got the DOS prompt up, and it was, it was a very tough. Uh, it was it was it was a tough uh, thing to, to to actually try to do, but in the end, um, in the end, we managed to actually get some 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 fairly complete integration. We got you know we got Docker file integration. We were able to build Docker images, uh, and in the end, the demo that we did at the hackathon, uh, we built a Lemmings Docker image based off of uh, a Fat16 uh, scratch layer. Uh, we then, um, you know, we then ran that. Um, you know, we got our DOS prompt up, DOS prompt, DOS prompt up uh, on a VM that had been booted from a virtual floppy that we built from a Docker file, um, and um, and ran Lemmings. And and what was great about it was that the um, the VMware remote console um, can attach to the VM and give you all of the graphical um, side of things that you need. And that, that at the end of the day, we won the hackathon. We we got through to the final, and they decided it was the most innovative thing that had been done. So, um, you know, not only I mean, it, it was such a success for us because it it created a good buzz around the project internally in VMware. Uh, it gave us a great gimmick to show off at DockerCon because basically just we we just ran Doom and Lemmings and Prince of Persia at the booth, and so many. <laughs> Came over saying, you know, why are you doing this? You know, what is this? And it was able it was a great means for us to actually start having a conversation about uh, about our approach and you know and 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 it really was great because you could see the penny drop, people connecting the dots, and and so many people came to us and were like, oh wow, okay, that's really cool that you can do that. So it was yeah, it was it was it was exhausting and a bit of a sacrifice, but in the end of the day, it was well worth it, and I'm glad we did it. That's awesome. So a little bit, uh, another hopefully fun question. Why Project Bonneville? Do, do you and George have an affinity for old Pontiacs, or what's the, no. <laughs> the reasoning? No, I love. I actually, I have a, a, a deep passion for old cars, um, and I have a number of them. But I, I don't, I don't have a passion for Pontiac specifically. <laughs> Um, um, so no, um, I've always wanted to go to the Bonneville Salt Flats, and I'm really into, as I say, really into cars. And actually, my wife and I, uh, we drove to a wedding in uh, Savannah, Georgia, from from Oakland uh, a, a while back, uh, just because you know we just wanted to see America, <laughs> and so we 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 took seven days over it. 
seven days back when we had this old station wagon that we were in and I really wanted to drive it across the Bonneville Salt Flats on the way back, but it, it would have, number one, it would have destroyed the car, and number two, it just, it just wasn't quite en route enough for us to do it. Um, but the whole, the, the reason I came up with that name was just because I wanted, I realized at the time that this project needed to go as fast as possible in a straight line with a cloud of dust behind it, right? That was, that was the sort of idea of behind the name. And um, because, you know, the, the this, this whole area is just is exploded so fast, and there are so many vendors out there, and there's so many uh, interesting projects out there. It's almost impossible to keep up, uh, and you know, and so um, yeah, we we just you know VMware and, and and our team specifically, we really need to be laser focused on this and just keep keep pushing forward in, in, a, in a very focused way and just get this stuff out. That's awesome. So so is Bonneville and technical preview yet, or or publicly like technical preview, or where are we with the... Um, yeah, with okay, so um, it's a good question. So at the moment, um, it is a uh, research project run out of the office of the CTO. Okay. Um, now we have, uh, as you mentioned, we have a... All the work we've done has been modifying Docker's own code base, right? So uh, we have a Docker daemon with, with various pieces injected into it that, 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 that allow it to, uh, to, to basically talk to vSphere infrastructure instead of talking to Linux infrastructure. Um, and that definitely was the right way to go because it was the, you know, it was the easiest um, and fastest way for us to get to where we needed to be. Uh, right. Now, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, productizing this, um, you know, and, and what that looks like and how it fits into VMware's cloud-native portfolio, um, that's still being worked out right now. And what, it, what we have is something that, that works and works effectively, and we know there are optimizations that we can do to it, and we know the ways in which we can make it better. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, this I, I feel like with, with Bonneville, we're kind of at a crossroads right now because we've, we, we've, we've absolutely stuck our flag on the moon you know, <laughs> and said, okay, you know, this obviously works, and, and our customers get it, and it's obviously a good idea, right? So now, you know, we've got to that point, and we've got to that point relatively quickly, but now we just need to double down on that uh, and make sure we get it into customers' hands as soon as we can um, in a way that's, you know, stable and easy to consume, uh, and, and, and really start getting feedback from our customers on, on, on you know, how they find it. So, so, so to answer your question specifically, what we announced was a technical preview, uh, I would like to see us have a customer beta program uh, running as soon as possible. Um, okay. As yet, we don't know exactly when that will be, um, but yeah, I I just want to see this. Um, I just want to see more investment in this, and just just us getting getting this stuff out as soon as we can. Do you see the opportunity uh, or have plans to maybe demo any of this at VMworld? At VMworld? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Doubt, no about it. Uh, in fact, um, I believe that there are discussions about, you know, really ramping up the, 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 the gimmick that we had at DockerCon. At DockerCon, we showed off Doom, as I say, on the booth. Um, but, you know, we had a bunch of DOS games as Docker images there that you could just kind of come up, you just do Docker Run Lemmings or Docker Run Doom or whatever, and it would just do, you know, do everything for you. Uh, I think it would be cool at VMworld if we had, you know, in the hang space, just like a retro game area where... You know where people can just kind of get onto a command line <laughs> and just run run some retro games off of Docker. I think that'd be really cool. Oh, uh, that would yeah. Be, you know, we, we'll, hey. have, we'll, 
We'll have a big presence at VMworld. I'm quite sure of that. Hey, hey Ben, we, we do have tech sessions uh, for for the DevOps area in the hang space, and we're looking for these kind of sessions where it's an hour and a half long. You know, come bring your laptop and do some tasks. So uh, let's hook up, and uh, we'll see if we can spin you up one as well because we yeah. are building a big area for, for DevOps for these type of things where we'll have what we're calling DevOps workshops. Okay, cool sounds stuff. good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what, maybe one last question. I mean, just kind of talking about, you know, what the opportunities here. Do you see the possibility of having integrations? I think you already have some of the um, – Modifications in so you can actually do Docker, run Docker machine, uh, sorry, Docker Compose, and do like multi-container, multi-container yeah. distributions. Uh, I think yeah. I've seen that. What about with Docker Swarm and, and cluster management? Do you see maybe the opportunity of somehow injecting Bonneville as as being um, a um, one of the one of the to, to schedule, you know, instances, or how do you yeah. see that playing? It's a good question. So, so we got we actually got Docker, George got Docker Swarm working just before DockerCon. Uh, it was one of our goals to have for DockerCon, and we never actually demoed it because we had so many people at the booth swarming all over the games that um, that you know we never actually got to show it off. Um, I think that's a really good question because to some extent, for me, the you know getting the container infrastructure right and figuring out how to build that in as a capability of the hypervisor and, 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 and treat you know, our virtualized infrastructure as more of a platform, that to me is learning to walk, right? which we need to do, and that's a really important step. Of course, people, you know, once you've given them the ability to create one container, they're going to want to be able to create multiple containers, and then they're going to want to be able to um, you know, have... Um, you know the, the the opportunity to to cluster them and to put load balances in place, and so you know frameworks like Kubernetes and 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 uh, you know and and you know there are there are various other frameworks along those lines are springing up to 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 really sort of take that next step in helping customers to figure out how to manage large number of containers or how to describe an application as a large number of containers, um, and I think you know once figured out you know the 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 the, the fundamentals of of this process model, if you like, which is the way I think of it, right? I mean, Docker is, is, is effectively a process model for, for, for running things. Um, the next step then, you know, once we've learned to walk, is we, we run with these, uh, these, these scheduling mechanisms, whatever, whatever those are. Um, that's quite a tough call, though, because at the moment, uh, Kubernetes doesn't work with Bonneville uh, at all. Um, because it makes a ton of assumptions about uh, the, the Linux nature of, of, the, of, the, of the containers that it manages. Um, okay. you know, it expects to be able to, um, you know, it, when it starts pods, it expects to have privileged access to a Linux. Mm -hmm. It, you know, does special things with IP tables. It, you know, it needs, it has this C advisor piece that expects to see C groups. There's all sorts of implementation specific details there, uh, you know, it would be lovely if it was just like, oh, it talks Docker, and so because it talks Docker, it just works with Bonneville. Um, you know, and, and I think you know, the, the, the Google team, uh, you know, the, the, the Kubernetes team has grown significantly at Google. I know they're doing a ton of work to make Kubernetes uh, you know, more uh, flexible and, and, and all these kind of things. Uh, I would like to see us working closely with them to, to, to make sure that we work together on, on that. Awesome. Well, Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure talking talking with you. How can folks learn more about Project Bonneville and perhaps where they can find you on Twitter? Good question. 
so we have a couple of videos on YouTube. Um, there's an interview that I did on, on YouTube that, uh, that you can find, which really is you know, the same kind of stuff that I've talked about today. I, I wrote a blog post which, which is you know, the sort of BS-free, um, sort of more detailed explanation of what Bonneville uh, is, that you know, if you actually really want to know what it is, then, then the, the blog post on the, the, the um, I think it's the CNA, Cloud Native blog post is, is well worth looking at. Um, but as I say, I mean, now that, um, you know, now that we've announced it, I want to make sure that as we make progress on it and as we, you know, introduce new capabilities or discover new things that we are, you know, keeping people informed and that, you know, that, that we're blogging about it. Um, in, terms of, in terms of just following me on Twitter and in terms of getting notified uh, by developments, that's probably the best way to do it. So my uh, handle on Twitter is Ben's Doings. Uh, B-E-N-S-D-O-I-N-G-S, uh, and it's only called that because uh, my other one is, my personal one is Ben Stinks, and so I sort of thought, okay, well, okay, <laughs> I have my philosophical drunken musings on one, and I have my business world on the other, and, um, you know, and, and typically it's best if those things don't mix, so. Very good. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you for being on the show. Um, we appreciate all the information on, on Project Bonneville. Thank you. Thank you. For, thank yeah, you. Fant for Fantastic. Bye. Thanks for everybody being on the show, and uh, we'll see you again next week as we near VMworld. Thanks a lot for joining the call, and talk to you soon. Have a great week. Cheers. Cheers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.